Let me ask you this. If you had to preach a sermon, and some of you do or have done, but let's say you had to preach a sermon, what's a, what's a hard topic you would not like to preach on? The second coming. Tricky. It's complicated. It is. Thank you, Danny. Did you do that by yourself? <laughs> He's got powers. Danny's got powers. <laughs> Divine hiddenness. Divine hiddenness. Whoa. Wow. Okay, deep. Predestination. All right, it's a tough one. It is. Yeah, Esther? Suffering. Suffering's a tough one to speak on, isn't it? Speaking in tongues, the, the, the charismata, uh, pneumatology, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be tricky. A lot of different opinions. And there are some topics uh, are harder to preach on. And here's the funny thing. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this. This is actually one of the hardest topics to preach on. And you'd think, but, but, but when you're talking about love, that shouldn't be that hard. But, and I hope it isn't in one sense. But in another sense, it is because it's such a common topic. And we tend to, maybe me too, we tend to think we know what it means because we hear about love all the time. And therefore, I think what's difficult about the topic is not so much what it is, but the fact that we're very familiar with it. And so I want to challenge myself and all of us today to do our best to listen to what God is telling us about what it means to love one another and not make assumptions that we already know this stuff. Because there's always more for us to grow in, in this area. And we need to speak on love often because it's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian and a follower of God. Because love is not something God does. Love is something that God is. That's so fundamental. You'll be familiar, I expect, with these two parts of 1 John 4. I think Steph is preaching on 1 John 4 next week, so this should dovetail nicely, I hope. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So it is so fundamental. And today we're talking about love for specifically one another. We need to love those out there, but that's not our focus today. That'll be another time. So let's think about what this means for us. And we're going to begin by, the, Elsie's going to come up and read the main scripture for us now, which is John 14. So if you would, Elsie. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Thank you very much. Love one another. Now, here's a question for you. Okay, new. A new command. How on earth is this a new command? What do you think? How is it new? A new command I give you. Uh, Akin. Circumstances. Okay, how Jesus has loved us, not how we think about love, naturally speaking. Yeah, okay, sorry, let me, there we go. Okay, anything else that's new? You would think is implied, at least, maybe it's not stated in the actual verse, you're right, but <coughs> new, new command. Well, the Ten Commandments don't say anything about love. Ten Commandments don't have anything about love, which is very significant on several levels, because isn't Jesus the new Moses? with a new law, right? So what's at the heart of that law? Saying something about that. Yeah, thanks, Dan. He's good, isn't he? <laughs> He's very good, yeah. Ah, Misha. Before we used to go on, it's not going to be for him. But now we are not going to say that he's going to say, hey, I love 
Okay, so the difference between love your neighbor as yourself as opposed to how I've loved you. Not the same thing, yeah? Um, you say that it needs to be unconditional love. Unconditional. Right, not for what you're going to get back or just because you're supposed to do it. Unconditional. Like Jesus is love, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I, um, I, I'm going to share one of my pet hates with you. You know how we all have these petty pet hates that really aren't that important, but really bug us, right? This is one of mine. Adverts that tell you that something is all new. <laughs> I hate those adverts. They really upset me every time. I, I consider writing into the advertising executives who've come up with that, because how is that an all new car? I mean, does, didn't the previous version have wheels? I think it had wheels. <laughs> New and improved. I think the previous version had windows. I think the previous version had an engine in it. It's not all new. It's somewhat substantially or less substantially so, slightly newer. I mean, it really annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Got that out of my system now. Thank you. Please pass the word on to the Ford a a advertising people, whatever. So, but, but when Jesus says something is new, something is meaningful, right? So like somebody already mentioned, Leviticus, Leviticus says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's not new, that part of it, right? That's Leviticus. Or, for example, in Jesus, when he's talking about loving people in Mark 12, he references loving God. And then the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So again, Jesus himself says that's an important command. We need to love and love in that way. So we've got that from new. Perhaps one clue might be that the word in the Greek, uh, which is uh, kainen, can mean new as in brand new, but it can also mean new as in refreshed. Perhaps a bit like the car. It's not really brand new, but it's refreshed. As in, it implies freshness replacing something that is outworn, like inadequate, not quite enough. And so loving your neighbor as yourself is something we must do. But is it all of what love is? And didn't Jesus come to show us something about love that we had never seen before? We'd never seen that love in Moses. We'd never seen that love in Abraham. We'd never seen that love in one of the prophets. Go on, Neil. I was just thinking, it's quite interesting that he's given his command quite late in this yes, yes, yes. And even the command about his own example, you know, as I have loved you, and you know, he didn't come in and say, okay, guys, okay, this is what I'm doing every, you know, from day one. Like, yeah. Look at what I've done already, what I've done Yeah. So he's saying this near the end, at the Last Supper. Because by then, the people who have been following him when he says, love each other as I have loved you, they will know what he's talking about because they've seen him display this kind of love. It's a fresh love. The, uh, the Leviticus command is to love others as we love ourselves. Christ is now the way. He is the standard. He is the example. And so we do not assess the quality of our love for one another by our own definition of what it means for us to love people. We don't assess the quality of our love for one another by the way other people are loving us. We have a quality of love that's set by Jesus and that is fundamentally not human. It is divine, expressed in our human sphere, but divine in its origin. Jesus says this about the way that he loved his disciples from John 13 and John 15. Uh, before the pa Passover festival, Jesus knew the hour had come. He's going to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. As the Father loved me, so have I loved you, it says in John 15. So remain in my love. 
Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one's life for one's friends, a very different quality of love. And of course, in the context of the Last Supper, how does he display his love? Well, one of the ways is that he washes their feet. This is what's just happened before the passage that Elsie read earlier. He's washed their feet. If I, your Lord and Master, do this, then you should do this for one another. This is a whole other level of love. This is a, I am willing to make myself a slave to you, love. Because that's he's taking the role of a slave servant by washing the feet of the disciples that are present, right? And perhaps it's also symbolic, like a me- an acted metaphor, as he is washing their feet, symbolically washing their sins away. Not literally at the here, but like as a symbolism thing. He's washing them clean. He says to Peter, and Peter says, no, 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 you can't do this to me. And Jesus says, well, I, I, you're gonna, you need me to do this. This is, this is about making you clean. And he's not talking just, I think, about physical cleanliness. That's so obvious. He's talking metaphorically about spiritual cleanliness. This is the love of Jesus, so much more profound and amazing. And I'd also suggest that something that's very important here is that it's not just about the love for one another as an individual's. This is something in our culture, perhaps, well, I say here, perhaps not for some of us in in the cultures that we grew up in or came from, but in a very westernized modern culture, we tend to see that love one another thing as, oh, it's me and one other person, right, at a time. But when Jesus says love one another, he's saying it to the group of disciples gathered around the table with him as they eat the Last Supper. He's talking to the community. You community love one another. And one of the translations of that phrase um, is, in fact, if you have love among one another. If you have love among one another, all will, people will know that you're my disciples. So if it's your culture, the world will know. It's not about you individually. Yes, of course, you must love, and that will make a difference. But what Jesus is really saying is, I'm forming a new community that has this love amongst them as their culture, and then the world will see that. And a community is more visible than the individual a lot of the time. And we have more powerful effect on the the world if we are a community of love like that. So I think that's part of what he's saying. I just want to reflect on something for a minute. This photograph was taken at the end of 2016, I think, if I'm right at saying. Uh, This was uh, more or less the original group of the Watford Church of Christ. We started meeting together at the beginning of 2016. And this was about the end of the year with a few of our friends that were then coming along as well. 16 of us plus children at that uh, moment, and you can see some of the children on there considerably shorter and smaller than they are now. So anyway, that's a great picture Leon took then. That was our community in terms of the Church of Christ group. Where has God put us now, and how is our love among one another now? All these, where are we now? Seven years later. Now this photograph was taken, I think, in 2022. Is that right, I think, Leon? So even that one's a bit out of date. That needs updating, right? So that's 2022. But look at, look at, look at that, right? So God was, and of course there, were, there was worship going on here, I know, at the same time. But I'm saying that you know, we went from individual two groups of that, like that to this group. How is our love among one another now? It's different. I mean, if you want to, you could look around at the rest of us here there are people here who we didn't know each other until two years ago. Because we started meeting together as the Watford Church of Christ and the West Watford Free Church in November, two years ago. So it's two years this month. And we do, I think, like each other and get on pretty well most of the time, right? Most of the time, most of the time. Well, Leon, anyway. Well, uh, yeah. 
we do. But but how how has how it, it how is God's project of helping us to have love among one another going? What's actually happening? How is that going? And even outside of those two groups, God has brought other people here. I mean, Meshach and his family are here from Zimbabwe. Ni and his family almost are arriving next week. You know, Bemi and his family brought to us more recently, um, uh, and, and others. Right? And David and his family walked in on us a little while ago. And Nana, who started coming along uh, earlier this year and was baptized. I mean, and there's others here as well. There's, God is continuing to connect us with new people. And the challenge is this, that when, it, when it's a group of this size and you see each other every Sunday, it's relatively easy to build a group, a, a sense of love among one another. Not that it's automatic at all, but it's relatively easy because you see the same people all the time, right? But as the group gets more diverse, as it gets bigger, as we encounter people we don't know so well in a bigger group, Guess what happens? You and me need to make greater effort. We need to pray more. We need to talk more with each other. We need to get to know each other. We have to make more effort in a larger group, and especially with people we don't know so well. So the question is, are we approaching this bonding of love among one another in the way that Jesus would? How's it going? And I'm not saying I have an answer to that, I think it's the kind of question we need to ask ourselves, especially perhaps as we come to the end of another year. We're also at the end of 2023. Have we been doing a building this love among one another? And what might we reset and prepare ourselves for for 2024? So what I'd like us to do for 10 minutes. Yeah, we got tired. 10 minutes is we're going to go into a workshop section of our, uh, our time together here. So step into my spiritual workshop, and pick up your handout, which is on the uh, seat, I believe, not the Watford word, but the other one with questions on it in some different colors. And what I'm going to ask us to do is to look at these three questions for 10 minutes. So what we're going to do for the next few minutes, we'll share a few of our findings, and then I'll bring us to one last passage of scripture, and we'll wrap the thing up, and then take communion together. That first question, the main barriers to loving one another and how they can be overcome. Along the front here, we have one, two, three different groups, right? So can I get one idea from each group? Maybe from you and Becky, you and Amy? Yeah. So, um, and I'll repeat them for the people online so they can hear. Oh, fine. Okay. So we said about not believing that you'll be refreshed by refreshing others. Not actually believing that you'll get refreshment as by refreshing others. So they're kind of not trusting that God will take care of you in a way. That could be a barrier. Yeah, that you're... We said the uh, personality will like conflict differences, so just from an understanding where other people have grown up or come from, or, you know, why are white people Backgrounds, backgrounds, personality differences, other kinds of things in our backgrounds that cause us to not understand each other. Yeah, one thing from this group? Uh, time. Time can be a barrier. <laughs> yeah. It's fine to know a small number of people, but how do you if you've got a bigger group, time is a challenge, can be a barrier. What does it cost and how, what helps us to be willing to pay the price? Can I get something from this side first? Um, I know, and it's was time, investing time and effort to actually work through those issues that have in the future. That's the cost. Time and energy is a cost. Okay, something from this side? Do you have a spokesperson? 
takes you out of your comfort zone, it costs something that coming out of your comfort zone requires courage, All right? Yeah, that's a very good point. So what are your thoughts about how we overcome these kinds of barriers? Shall I start again on this side? Um, this is not great, but I think like um, having a better understanding of An understanding of God's love, which gives us that security, that strength. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, back over this side. Well, I think you, uh, it sounds a bit sort of uh, uh, academic, but I think you need to organize. Um, that you mm. put people into positions where they know they do know somebody well, rather than everybody knows that superficially. So, so you, you need to identify somebody to get together, identify who has sort of common interests, who has some empathy for somebody else, uh, so that they will look after that person. And if there's a greater need than that one helper can deal with, it can be shared and, and dealt with. Mm. Shared. So the idea of working together, finding ways to bond, in, perhaps what part of that is, is it, as a group gets bigger, making sure that we have maybe even smaller groups within the bigger group. And that may be just connections of relationship, or it may be serving together. You know, I've found over the years, having been involved in leading musical worship for all my Christian life, that some of my closest friends, surprise, surprise, are other musician types. Because I spend a lot more time with them. That's just the reality, right? So maybe there's some ways around that practically, yeah. Um, and um, here? Um, so making a conscious effort to connect uh, and being proactive in learning about the person's background and learning about uh, where they come from. You know, don't surface level stuff, really right. kind of delve deep into maybe parts of their history and things like that. Taking action on that, on, on taking proactive, yeah. I suppose asking good questions. Yeah. Right? I mean, not intrusive questions, but nonetheless, good questions to find out about people, not assuming they're going to tell you, although you'll just get to know them by hanging around together. Right? Good questions is a very good point. Um, paying the, the middle group. Okay, so the cost and what will help us to be willing to pay the price. What do you think about that? Should we start again on this side? Willing to pay the price? What helps us with that? Um, I think a lot of reflection, you know, on sort of what is internal, what, what's coming from you as opposed to the internal barriers. Um, prayer and meditation, and, and perhaps also I can see examples of it. So examples you see in other parts of the community. Examples from other people, mm. and reflection, self deeper self reflection. There speaks a counselor. <laughs> That's good advice. Anything else from from the group there? Um, Garth looks like he's got an essay written down there. Uh, no. Um, 
just exactly what it is, so it looks like me, but go for it and just let yourself go. Uh, accept the differences and and make the effort and just get on with it and don't worry about the outcome. Uh, and on this side? Yeah, uh, being vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah, we open up the conversation. Yeah. 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 Being accommodate. Accommodate others. You mean like hospitality? Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, being vulnerable, vulnerable is a big word, or big, not big word, it's a significant word in this, isn't it? To really love one another, it's not possible without vulnerability. So we've got to develop strength enough for that vulnerability. Okay, good. Uh, at the back, I'm not neglecting you, um, potential blessings to this fellowship, not some theoretical place out there, right? But us here, right? Potential blessings. If we make deliberate efforts to obey the command to love one another, what did you come up with? Let's start on this side of the back. Uh, whoever wants to share something. Well, he said that when the school of being together, my name, then I'm there in the And we feel that obviously the blessings of the Holy Spirit is much more powerful, where you have more diversity, and it Yeah. When, when God brings a diverse group together, we should celebrate that, right? And anticipate that God's going to bring a variety of blessings to us through that. That's a, a really wise point. Excellent. Uh, what about on this side? Um, at the back there. Somebody over here? Just one thing. For now. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. It's a channel for the grace of God to be real to us. Because when we hurt each other, you have options. You can run away, you know, and, and just leave. You can stick around but have a, have a simmering bitterness, right? And you avoid that person. And, uh, or, or you can do your best to resolve it with God's help. And then we get the experience of God's grace coming into our relationships here as we learn how to work things through and forgive each other. So we grow spiritually by that experience of the grace of God through each other. Because most of the experience of the grace of God is not directly from God, though, that, though it is. It's actually through how we treat one another. So that's a very enriching thing. But that doesn't happen if we don't love each other deeply. Right? Because you don't talk about anything important if you don't love each other very deeply. So therefore, it's all superficial. and You're probably not going to hurt each other. But if you start talking about the real stuff on your heart and mind, there's a greater chance we'll actually really, potentially, sin against each other even, right? Hmm, interesting thought. Okay, we're going to wrap up in a minute here. Even the pastor that just came to mind, like about potential blessings to congregation, I think it will give us the opportunity to live out the family that we're called to have in Christ. Hmm. And we're, you know, part of a congregation where a lot of people are coming in with their families. 
but that's not the case for everyone. So I think when we start to look outside ourselves, we can include the people who may be on the outskirts more so, or aren't walking in. Yeah, yeah, being family for one another. Yeah, really, especially for those of us who don't have that around. Very good. Um, anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so be honest, uh, don't avoid the, the, the necessary conflict to resolve things, and agree to differ, because we don't have to agree on everything. Uh, that's why we don't particularly talk about politics. Uh, uh, hmm. So moving, moving on. Um, no, but that's so important. We don't have to like each other's opinions. We need to love each other. That's a very important distinction. <laughs> Good. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, the, the other point that also came up um, is the difference between our communication as a communication in smaller countries, where more of the needs are physical. If you see someone needs to be a little food, but here now, most of the needs are met. Like someone can afford the food, they afford almost everything, but the needs that we might not see are the emotional needs. Very good point. Hmm. There are practical things we can do for one another, but one of the more significant things in our kind of culture is to listen and to be there with people as much as practically do things. And that's important for those of us who come from various cultures, which we are here, to understand that there are different needs perhaps in different cultures. That's a really interesting point. Barry, you got your hand up? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a sacrifice of life for us. And which is a good point it's a bit like what Paul talked about about getting to know Christ through sharing in his sufferings and we sacrifice for one another to love one another we're learning to be more like him and growing in him that's a really good point and it was one other hand yes Yeah, yeah. They, people see the difference. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but um, I, I've I've had experiences where I've gone to a foreign country to visit a church that I don't know. Someone's going to meet me at the airport, and it, you know, usually you have a sign or something, right? I've never met them before. I don't know what they look like, and often, honestly, I come out and I come out to the um, the, the, the sort of entrance at the area where you get picked up, and I can spot the Christians. You know, I really honestly, I sometimes just can because just there's something about the way they are. There's a group of them, not just maybe one individual, but there's a group. You can say, no, that's them. That's the people picking me up. You can just tell. And there is something, I don't know what to put the finger on, but there's something that communicates when we have this love, which is so powerful and so desperately needed by this world, right? 
Let's wrap up with a couple of thoughts, and then we'll take communion. Oh, by the way, thanks for the input online. Simon Palmer put some really interesting thoughts online. It's on the Facebook page. You'll be able to see. Thanks, Simon. Dallas Willard says this. This touches on a point I think it was Amy making earlier, or perhaps it was Becky. We're not able to love one another because, as in we struggle with it, because we do not have our minds filled with an accurate vision of God. <coughs> so me simply saying, let's love one another, or we ought to love one another, isn't particularly helpful, is it? Because we need a vision of God. We need who he is. If we're going to love one another as Jesus loved his disciples, we've got to have a good vision, picture of God's nature. And that, that comes partly together as we share about God together with one another. We learn more about him and his heart. So my suggestion from that is talk about God with each other. Talk about God with each other. Talk to him yourself and read his Bible, read his word yourself. But talk to one another about God, because that's a lot of how we learn about who God is. I think it's the first main thing, is to get a proper, accurate vision of God. And the second, I like this quote from a chap called Ron Highfield in his book, Rethinking Church. And he's describing the sort of church that does love one another, as Jesus said. And he says, if you're in that kind of church, it's a place where everyone knows everyone. It's not a little church with ambitions of becoming a big church. It has no agenda but to love one another and help each other better serve the Lord. It manifests the fullness of the church because in its life, Christ and the Spirit are, are directing our attention to the Father. You know, I, it'd be great if this becomes a bigger church. I wouldn't complain, right? As, if God brings people to us, I'm into that. But our ambition isn't to be big. That's not our ambition. Our ambition is to love one another as Christ loves us and loved his disciples and to point people and point one another to the Father. And then God will bring people as he actually already is. We've all seen that. But this becomes the focus, not some other kind of agenda. And then we'll see what God does. So we're going to finish by thinking about how we, how we find this strength for this. Because it does cost, it does take vulnerability, it takes courage, it takes faith, it takes, it takes a lot from us to truly love in the way that Jesus did. How are we going to do that? Well, of course, we focus on Jesus himself. This might be one of the best descriptions, best descriptions of what motivates us from Romans 5. Because at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us lot, right? The ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This is our motivation. We love others whether we like their opinions or not. And we love others whether they've hurt us or not, because Christ loved us when we were ungodly, while we were still sinners. And that's our inspiration. We're going to pray now and then take bread and wine.
and, and reflect on all the things we talked about today. Uh, Leon's going to, to come and pray for us. So let's do that and then take bread and wine together.